Um, all right, we are going to go straight to the Bible now, and the Pastor Paul's going to come and wrap up our sermon series for us. Um, the Bible passage is from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You guys want to open up your Bibles? 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Through to 20. It's a short passage today. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 through to 20. I'll read this for us. Uh, please follow along. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. Maybe I read the wrong passage, I'm sorry. That's a good passage too, if you guys want to, I don't know what I'm reading. Okay, I'm sorry guys. I, this, thanks Daniel. All right, let me read from the screen. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God, for it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. Amen. I, I am the fool. Yeah, I know. That was funny how the passage is about being a fool. Um, good to see everyone. Um, it's really cold. Are you guys cold? Oh, a little bit cold. Okay. At least uh, it'll keep you awake uh, through today's sermon. Um, as Peter mentioned, we're finishing up uh, this series. Uh, this series was called Image Bearers, and we're talking about, you know, 10... Uh, character traits of God, and as we look at God, we're going to look, uh, understand Him a bit better, uh, but through the process, understand ourselves better, because we were made in the image of God. And so we're coming to the end, uh, we've looked at a lot of stuff, we looked at God is loving, and He's uh, gracious, and He's just. Last week we looked at how God is truthful, and today's uh, uh, topic is that God is wise, right? And this is going to be related to what we looked at last week, uh, because it's really building on top of the fact that uh, God is truthful. Now, if I could ask you, um, if, if you stood before God today, and God was to say to you, ask me for anything, and I'll give it to you. But ask me for anything, and I'm going to give it to you. What would you ask God for? All right, think about it. You don't have to share it. You don't have to come up with a Christian answer. All right. Well, what would you say? An all-around-the-world trip. God, I just want to never work a day for the rest of my life. Just retire right now. I want to be world famous, right? The most famous person in the world, and everyone knows me. I want that dream job, the dream house, the dream car. What about a million dollars? What about a billion dollars? Yeah, that's better. What about a gazillion dollars? Right? Is that what you would ask God for? Uh, no, to be honest, like on the whim, like if, if I didn't have time to prepare and God asked me, I think I'd be like, a billion dollars. I think that's the first thing I'd say, like, if I'm just honest. Now, Solomon, if you know King Solomon, the son of King David, he found himself in that exact same situation in Second uh, Chronicles. Right? He was before God, and God asked him, ask, what shall I, what I shall give you? Right? Ask, and I'm going to give you whatever you ask of me to give you. Right? In verse 10, this is what Solomon says. Solomon asked God for, give me now wisdom and knowledge to go out and come in before these people for who, 
for who can govern these people of yours, which is so great? Right, out of everything Solomon could have asked for, out of everything that he could have had, what he asks God for is wisdom, right? Wisdom and knowledge, but wisdom. And according to the scriptures, this was a good choice. Right? Perhaps this was the best choice, you might even say. At Proverbs chapter 4, it says that the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. What this is saying is that, you know, the first step to being a wise person is that you get wisdom. The wise person knows that out of everything that you can get, you should get wisdom. Right? That's how important wisdom is. The wise person knows that it matters. Or Proverbs 8, it says, Wisdom is better than jewels. And all that you may desire cannot compare with her. Or Proverbs 16, how much better to get wisdom than gold? Or how much better to get wisdom than a gazillion dollars, is what my translation is. To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Wisdom, right, it's so important. Wisdom is that single trait that affects everything else in your life, for better or for worse. Wisdom affects everything, right? If you have it, it affects it for good. If you don't have it, it will affect everything in your life for the worse. Now imagine if you lived a life without wisdom. Let's say you didn't have wisdom. You had no wisdom or very little wisdom. If you lived a life without wisdom, you get to the end of your life and you'd look back and all you would see is a list of regrets. All the bad choices that you made along the way because you lacked wisdom. And regardless of anything else that you might have, right, you could have stood before God and said, I want money or I want fame or I want lots of opportunities. You might get all these other things, but if you don't have wisdom, you'll waste them. So you, you might have money, but without wisdom, you'll invest it poorly and you'll lose it all. Without wisdom, you might have fame, but fame would only publicize the bad choices that you make. Right? You'll be up on the TMZ or whatever and you know, look at what you know, this person did, the, the newest controversy. Without wisdom, you might have opportunities, but you will squander them away. Right? That's how important wisdom is. But if you had wisdom, you and I would look back at the end of our lives and we would be content. And we would be satisfied knowing that regardless of what happened in life, we had always made the right and best choices. And maybe you didn't start off with much money or fame or opportunities, but because you had wisdom, right, you made good choices. And it would affect money, job, relationships, you know, career, and all those things. All the areas of your, in your life that mattered would be affected and flourish, really, because you had wisdom. Wisdom is that trait that would improve everything that you have. And so Solomon chooses wisdom and as he chooses wisdom, it will improve all the things that he didn't choose. He didn't choose money. He didn't choose fame. He didn't choose, you know, all these things. But wisdom will improve even those things. And so when he asks for wisdom, God actually says to him, and we're not going to read this. But he asks for wisdom and God says, because you chose wisdom and you didn't choose money and popularity or long life, I'm actually going to give you wisdom and everything else. I'm going to give you all those things you didn't ask for. Now, a part of that is God saying, you chose right. You were selfless and you didn't choose something for yourself, but you chose something that can make you a better king, right? So he's acknowledging and he's blessing him. But I think a part of it is that this is the natural way it works. 
The natural way is that when we have wisdom, everything else is improved. So we're talking about this very important topic of wisdom. And what we're going to find is, number one, that God is perfect in wisdom. He's perfectly wise while we're not. And second, we're going to talk about what godly wisdom looks like and what it looks like for you to be a godly and wise person. So number one, let's look at God's wisdom. Now let me define what wisdom is. You know, I've kind of talked about it. We, I think we all have a general idea of what it is, uh, but let me define it a little bit more clearly. Now we looked at uh, the book of James, you know, a few months ago, and there was a sermon that talked about wisdom there. And so in that verse, James 3, James says this. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. And in that sermon, I said a few things. I'm just going to kind of skip to the end of what I said. Um, I said that wisdom is not knowledge. Right? James doesn't define wisdom as being the same as knowledge. Right? James talks about it in a different way. Wisdom is something more than knowledge. Right? It builds upon knowledge. So the wise person is not a person who just knows a lot of facts or information. Right? This is how I'm going to define wisdom. Wisdom is knowledge appropriately applied. But that's how I defined it a few months ago. Wisdom is when you take knowledge but do something with it. You apply it into your life. All the facts or information that you know, it actually shows up in your today. It changes and affects your decisions so that the things that you know help you make the best decisions or live the best kind of life, the, 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 the right life, the wise life. Wisdom is knowledge appropriately applied. And so if knowledge is what you know, wisdom is knowing what to do with what you know. Right? Knowledge is what you know, but wisdom is knowing what to do with it. The wise person knows how to use what they know to make those good decisions and actions. Now when you take this definition of wisdom, we can kind of see how uh, humans are imperfect in our wisdom. Uh, we have you know, varying degrees of wisdom, but even the most wisest person is imperfect in wisdom. And that's first because we have imperfect knowledge, right? Knowledge builds on, uh, wisdom builds on knowledge, right? That's, that's the basis. But we start off with imperfect knowledge, right? None of us know all the facts. When you're trying to make a decision between two things, right, sometimes we come to an unwise decision simply because we didn't know all the information. Right? Which job opportunity should I go for? And you know some things, but you don't know everything. Where should I live? Which country? Should I buy this or that? Should I buy the udon or the dragon roll sushi? Oh, which one? You don't know all the facts. You don't know, you know what the specialty here is at this restaurant. You don't know which chef is working today, and maybe this chef is particularly good with the noodles versus you know, uh, raw fish. You don't know the, the date and how fresh uh, the, the noodles are versus the, the salmon or whatever it goes in a dragon roll sushi. But you don't know all the facts. Sometimes we might try to gain more facts. You ask the waiter or waitress about you know, these questions. You might look up research and people who've experienced it to gain more information. But no matter how much knowledge we might try to gain, the simple fact is we don't know everything. We don't know all the things that will contribute to making the best decision. We have imperfect knowledge. We might know some things about today, some, some things about the past, but we definitely don't know what's going to happen in the future. 
And so even the wisest person can make wrong decisions because they lack knowledge. But wisdom isn't just knowledge, it's what you're doing with knowledge. And so we are imperfect in wisdom, not just because we have imperfect knowledge, but we also we have imperfect application of it. We, we don't always take what we know and then come to the best decisions with it. You know, sometimes the facts point clearly to the udon or whatever it is. Do this. But we don't always follow what the facts say. And so we eat the unhealthy food. That's not a problem of what you don't know or know. We know that those chips and the ice cream is bad for you. The facts are right there, but we still make different choices because we follow our heart, we follow our desires. We date the wrong person and everyone kind of knows that maybe that's not right, but we do it anyway. We spend the whole night on social media when you've got an assessment due tomorrow. Right? We don't apply the things that we know. If you've ever regretted your past actions, if you've ever thought, oh man, I knew I shouldn't have done that. I should have gone for the dragon roll. Right? If, you, if you ever thought those kinds of things, that's you admitting that you imperfectly applied what you already knew. You didn't follow what you knew. And so even the person with unlimited knowledge might still be unwise sometimes because we don't always follow what the facts say. And so even the best of us, we are not perfectly wise we are imperfect in knowledge, we're imperfect in application, which is why when you come to King Solomon, who was maybe the wisest person to have ever lived, still he made bad choices because he was human, because he didn't know everything. And even the things that he knew when he made decisions, he didn't always follow what the truth said, but he went with his heart and he followed sin. In contrast to us, God, is perfect in his wisdom. And that's great for us because as we stumble around in life, it's an assuring thing that the God that we follow and the God that holds our lives in his hands is a God who is perfectly wise. You see, God is unlike us, right? Let, let me read some verses. 1 Corinthians 1, 25, it says that the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And what this is trying to say, it's not that God is foolish or weak, but even you know, the, the worst parts of God, even the, if the, the foolishness of God will be better than the, the best wisdom that mankind could ever produce. Job says, with God are wisdom and might. He has counsel and understanding. Or Romans says, to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. God stands apart as the only wise one in a creation filled with people who are imperfect in wisdom. Now, God's wisdom is perfect because he has, number one, he has perfect knowledge. We have imperfect knowledge, but God has perfect knowledge. We say that God is omniscient. He knows everything about everything. Everything about anything. He knows everything right now, everything going on right now across the world and the universe every person, in every country, in every town, in every room, he knows it all right now. Not just now, but 
one second ago and the second before that and the minute before that and the hour before that and the days before that and the years before that. He knows everything now and past, but also he knows everything to come, everything in the future. And he knows it perfectly and he understands it fully and he perceives it clearly. And he knows not just the things that you cannot see with your eyes, but he knows the things that are hidden, the secret things, the motivations of our hearts. And so the book of Isaiah says, at the end, he says that God's understanding is unsearchable. This is how God knows everything. But he doesn't just know everything, but God, when he takes what he knows and then he acts. He's not like us, where we are affected by temptation or we follow the desires of our heart that is, you know, maybe not good and sinful. God's not swayed by those things. God is immutable, unchanging, and not affected by temptation. He is just, so he always does what is fair. He's not biased, and God is good. Everything he does is worthy of approval. And so when God takes everything he knows and he acts, it's always the best. God always chooses the best goals and the best means to achieve those goals. And that's what we can know about our God. Even at this very moment, everything that's going on in the universe and everything that's going on in your life, God is working out in wisdom. It is the best. God never makes wrong choices. He's never caught by surprise. He never regrets anything. There can never be a better way. This is the best way. Things are exactly the way they're meant to be. And I don't know what's going on in your life, but it could not be any better. And when I say that, we're like, oh, wait, wait. I can think of a lot of things that could be better, right? My faith could be better. My relationships could be better. You know, there are people who are sick and in poverty. That could be better, and, and that's true. But when we take a step back and see it from God's point of view and God's purposes for the universe and even God's purpose for your life, he is achieving it in the best way possible. And right now, it may not make sense. And in our perspective, it might not seem like God is wise, but he is. And he's working out his purpose for his glory and for your good. Right? If we will trust him and follow him, it will all one day make sense. That is the wisdom of God. And he's orchestrating all of these things, right? Your purpose for your life and my life and his life and her life, and they're all interacting and we're all making choices but it's all working out somehow because he is wise. And what that means is two things, I think. Number one, we should, we should thank him. You know, we praise God for being loving and merciful and gracious and kind and patient. But we should really be thankful and praise him that he is wise. Right? If God wasn't wise, oh, we'd be in big trouble. The universe would be in great danger. To have that much power in an unwise God? Oof. And we should always be afraid. Right? If God wasn't wise, you should always wake up thinking, oh no, what's going to happen today? And what's going to happen tomorrow? And when things happen in your life, you should be discouraged and uncertain about how it's going to work out. But because God is wise, we don't have to do any of these things. We don't have to be anxious. We don't have to be uncertain. We can always be assured. We can find peace and comfort in today and in our tomorrow. We can always be hopeful 
we should say with the Apostle Paul, oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. Well, we should praise God for his wisdom and we should be thankful. But also number two, we should trust in his wisdom. Right, this is similar, but if we really trusted that God is wise, we'd find comfort, a deep assurance in our today and our tomorrow. For the God that is in control of my life, the sovereign God is a wise God. He knows all things and he always acts for the best means to the best purposes. The universe is in good hands and so is your life. Right? There's not much need to question or complain. A lot of things that we worry about aren't worth worrying about. God knows exactly what he's doing. And as you look at your past mistakes, as you look at your present worries and your future hopes, know that God is wise and find deep comfort in that truth. So we looked at God's wisdom. And number two, let's look at godly wisdom. Right? What's that look like for us? Even though we are imperfect in our wisdom, the Bible says we should seek it, right? We should chase after it. It's better than jewels. It's better than a gazillion dollars, right? We should desire it. Um, and if we seek it, we will get it. Right? We'll get it from God. Now, I define wisdom as knowledge appropriately applied. And it doesn't matter if you're a Christian here or not a Christian. You can go out into you know, the world. I think people would kind of generally agree with that definition, or, you know, maybe you don't like mine, you come up with a better one, but, you know, we'd all agree on what wisdom is, right? Wisdom is universal. It's not a Christian thing. And I think we'd all agree that wisdom is worth chasing after. So you can go to the, the most atheist person, and they'd say, they'd agree that they should be wise. And I should be wise, they should be wise, no matter who you are, we should be wise. Because I think, again, this is the principle Wisdom is the trait that affects everything in your life. You don't have to be a Christian for that to be true. And so the person who doesn't believe in God, as they seek knowledge and apply it well into their life, it will affect their job, their money, will affect their relationships, etc. But that's as far as the similarities go. We agree the definition. We agree that it will affect our lives. But for the Christian, godly wisdom should and must look completely different from worldly wisdom in the way that it actually shows up in your life, in the way that you actually make your decisions, the decisions that you end up making and the way that you live. Wisdom in the Christian sense is different. 1 Corinthians 3, this is the passage that uh, Peter ended up reading. <laughs> it says this, Let no one deceive himself. If, any, if anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, and so what he means is like wise of you know, the world, the, the, the non-Christian world, let's say. If any among you thinks, you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are futile. I've got two things I want to say from this passage. 
First, you and I, we must choose. The Apostle Paul, when he talks about the wisdom of this world in, in comparison to godly wisdom, he's not talking about a good wisdom versus a better wisdom. He's talking about a true wisdom versus a false wisdom. He's talking about what is right versus what is wrong. Worldly wisdom, according to the scriptures, is not just good, but we have something better. No, it's wrong. It's not true. It is not real wisdom. But the wisdom that God gives to us, the Bible says that is true. That is right. And so you and I, we must choose. In verse 19, it says, the wisdom of this world is folly with God. It's foolishness. The way that the world might live and the things that, that it prioritizes, things that it says to chase, it, it should be complete opposite of the Christian wisdom. Right? The wise Christian doesn't live according to worldly wisdom and then just add on the Bible on top of it. The wise Christian abandons the old way of thinking and living and says, this is the way that I will now live according to God. And that makes sense. Again, if we go back to the definition of wisdom, because it's knowledge appropriately applied, it makes sense because our base of knowledge is different. Right? I talked about this last week. Our truth is fundamentally different from the non-believing world. What is your truth? That our truth is that we don't belong here, right? we belong in heaven. Right? We're not living for the earth, we're living for the kingdom of heaven. Our truth is found, right, not in, in books or on the news, our, our truth is found in the scriptures. It's centered on Jesus Christ. It's about eternal things. Because we're starting with a different base of truth or knowledge, the decisions we make, as we apply it, it should show up in a very different way. In the way that we handle our money, Investments, time, relationships, how you think about career, where you live, all of those things must be different. And so you and I, we must choose. There's a choice for you to make. Will you live according to the wisdom of the world or will you live according to the wisdom of God? If you're a Christian, that's a choice you make every day. Are you winning that fight? Are you living according to godly wisdom? The second thing I want to say is that you choose, but what you're choosing is this. You must choose to be a fool. Verse 18, it says, Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. True godly wisdom in the eyes of the world, the non-believing world, looks foolish. It looks like stupidity. It looks absurd. So the wise Christian is, is not just a wise person who happens to be a Christian, right? A wise Christ, Christian is not like, you know, they, they're wise like all the other people, but they're also a Christian. That's a wise Christian. No, no. The wise Christian is the foolish person in the eyes of the world. To be wise in the eyes of God means to be foolish in the eyes of the world. God has invited you and I, if you are a Christian, to be a fool for Christ. To go the opposite way, 
to live according to the upside-down kingdom, to make foolish investments and foolish choices with your time and your energy, to not make sense, to be maybe scoffed at and laughed at and be ridiculed. That is what it is to be wise in the eyes of God. We are fools because the wisdom of the world says, live for the here and now. But godly wisdom says, live for a world to come. Worldly wisdom says, serve yourself. But godly wisdom says, serve others. Worldly wisdom says, gain more for you. But godly wisdom says, give more of you. Worldly wisdom says, invest and be rich on earth, but godly wisdom says, invest and be rich for eternity. For that which you cannot see. Worldly wisdom says, make yourself great, but godly wisdom says, be humble and make God great. Worldly wisdom says, freedom is found without rules, but godly wisdom says, freedom is found under God's rule. Right? Worldly wisdom says the scriptures are old and out of date. But godly wisdom says the scriptures are old but timeless. Worldly wisdom says the story of the cross is foolish. You believe that God came to the earth as a baby, like Christ, the Christmas story, and that he went to a cross and he died. You, you worship a man on a cross, foolish. But ever since the birth of the church, the cross has been ridiculed. But godly wisdom says, the cross is power. It is my salvation, and Jesus is my wisdom. The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. This is godly wisdom, and it is foolish in the eyes of an unbelieving world. You know, this is just living out your faith. Godly wisdom is you and I going to the Bible and living it out. Being a fool for Christ is not anything more than living out what you believe and know. And so let's ask God to help us to really believe the things that we find in the Scriptures to really have the courage to live out those things that we say we have faith in. That we might have greater faith in what we see in the Bible than what we hear from the world. And sometimes it's scary. It's scary to be a fool and make these kinds of choices and say these kinds of things, to think differently, to believe differently, and to live differently. So let's ask God to have greater courage that our faith would overcome our fear. You know, the book of Proverbs, it says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. The way that seems right to man, that's worldly wisdom. It's what the world says, this is the best way, this is the smartest way, live for these kinds of things, but it leads to death. And the opposite is true. That there is a way that seems foolish to man, but in the end, it is the way to life. And that is the way of God. It is the way of the cross. It is living according to godly wisdom. Let me end with a quote and just an illustration. 
You've probably heard this quote before. I've quoted this a lot of times. Jim Elliott, he said, he's a, he was a missionary and he was a martyr for Jesus. He died as he tried to tell people about Jesus in places that you know, didn't know about Jesus. And he wrote this. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. The person who gives, this always confuses me a little bit, what he cannot, (laughs) when we give away the things of this world, things that we cannot keep in the end anyway, right? The money and the time and the energy and the things that the world invests into that we willingly give away so that we might gain something for eternity that we cannot lose. In the eyes of the world, that seems foolish, but he's saying that's not foolish. That's the wise investment. That's the best way to live, right? To really live, if you really believed in heaven, and this is where it hinges, right? If you really believed in heaven, you really believed that this life is fleeting, which is short, and it's a blip, and eternity is gonna go on forever. And if you really believe that, that's the wise way of living. But to the world, it seems foolish. The fool is really the person then who gives what he cannot lose, the things of heaven, to gain things on earth that he cannot keep. So don't be a fool. Be the wise Christian who lives according to God's word. You know, this week I was talking to a brother at Kingsway, um, one of our leaders. We're just talking on, on Zoom um, and, and this brother's a great model to follow, I think, um, of what godly wisdom looks like. And as we were talking, he said something like this, and this is, a, this is probably not perfect. He said something like, I worry that in 30 years, I'll look back at the sacrifices I've made as a Christian, and I'll feel like a fool. Right? I'll, I'll kind of, I'll, maybe I'll regret the things um, that I've done. And what he meant was, you know, to be a Christian, again, is to prioritize God and his kingdom. And it means we're going to sacrifice some other things that the, the world says we should live for, right? Get as rich as you can, buy as many things as you can, the biggest house that you can. That's, God, that's worldly wisdom. But as you live for God, you're inevitably going to give up some of those things. Because we have finite time and finite energy, And so as I serve the church, as I invest into other people, as I give and not gain, I'm going to give up some of those things. And what this brother was saying, that in 30 years' time, those things are going to multiply. And you're going to see the effects of these sacrifices that he had made. And perhaps like he meant that in 30 years' time, he won't have as big of a house. And he won't have as good of a car. And his career might not have advanced as much as these other people. And I think in a raw moment of kind of honest confession, he was kind of saying, man, I'm kind of worried that in 30 years, I'll look back and I'll feel like a fool. I'll regret it. And I, th- I think he meant it like, that's a bad thing. Oh, that'd be so bad that I would have those kinds of doubts. But as I reflected on it, I realized that I don't think that's a bad thought to have, that you would worry that you'd have that thought, am I being foolish? I think that's a good indicator that you're living the right path. 
I think it would be much more worrying that you would spend the next 30 years of your life in such a way that you never had that thought, that you never wondered to yourself, am I being too foolish? Am I sacrificing too much? I think the majority of the Christian world lives it way too safe. We don't make enough sacrifices. We try to have the best of both worlds and we live according to worldly wisdom, but I'm just gonna add a little bit of Bible on top of it. I think we should live such lives that we should all wonder to ourselves at certain moments, am I being the fool here? Am I giving away too much? But am I living too, am I applying the Bible too much to my life, right? Can you, can you ever do that? But I think we should live such lives that we would wonder that. Maybe even look around at the Christian world and say, but even the Christians don't seem to live that way. I think that's the right way to live. That we would worry that we are being fools. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. Yes, if you are on the path of godly wisdom, you should feel alone at times. Man, you should feel like a fool because not many people are walking it. Kingsway, let's be fools for Jesus together. We thank and trust God because he is perfectly wise when we are not, but we then have a choice to make. Will we choose wisdom? And all the sacrifices that come with it. And therefore, will you choose to be a fool for Christ? Will you determine to live in such a way that you'll make decisions and live lives that will be countercultural? That you'll stand out, that you will look, look down upon, that you'll risk it all. That maybe you'll end up with nothing at the end of this life. But you'll have it all when you see Jesus face to face. That is a life we're called to live. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. Let's close our eyes and let's pray. As we pray, you know, the book of James says that if any of us lack wisdom, we should ask God and he will give it to us. So let's come before God and let's ask this perfect, perfectly wise God who knows all things and acts always in the wisest way. Let's ask this God for wisdom. Help me God to apply the things that I know. But as we ask that, know that it is, I think, a dangerous prayer to pray. Because it is asking that God would help you to be a fool. It is asking God to give you courage and boldness to sacrifice and to risk, to give, to be radically generous, to serve others, to give away things of earth that you might invest into the things of eternity.
It is to speak up about things that will make you stand out. It is to run the opposite way differently from the way that everyone else seems to run. It means that you will live an upside down life. Well, let's ask God for wisdom. And why don't we commit ourselves to being that little bit more foolish for the sake of God, that we might be wise in His sight. Let's make that our prayer, Kingsway. Uh, Why don't we cry out to God and let's really make that our prayer. Let's pray.